open up your uh, message notes and pull them out. I'm excited. I'm starting a brand new series today that is really the theme for this whole year. It's called Moving Forward. Everybody say Moving Forward. Moving Forward. Now, it's a great topic for us to talk on today as we think about January, the first of the year. Now, I love January because January is my birthday month. How many got birthday months? Like, I don't want a day. I want the whole month, you know. So, so this is my birthday month. And, but not only is that why I like it, I, I just love it because there is such expectation of what this new year can bring. It brings great possibility. It has the potential of becoming something very great. And so I love the fresh start aspect. I love the fact that I'm looking ahead and not always looking behind, my, behind me. And some of you, 2019 wasn't good, so you're not looking back. You're like, I'm just looking ahead. Come on, baby. I just barely made it into 2020. Some of you, 2019 was your best year. And you're like, man, that was the greatest year I've ever had. Well, that's awesome. Thank God and rejoice, but don't live in the past. We still got to press forward. Some of you, it's like, man, 2019 was a wash. It was just average. That's okay. We're going to look forward to the possibility of what God's going to do in 2020. And I think as we approach this year, the thing I love about it is we get to choose what this year looks like for us. How many know your circumstances don't dictate what your year looks like? Your choices dictate it. That no matter what happens to me, I get to choose. I get to make some choices And so I'm going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks, how we choose to move forward. We're going to move our lives forward. And and when I say moving forward, you say, well, what is moving forward really all about? Moving forward is really about looking forward. Fresh vision. My vision is forward. I'm not, I rejoice for the past. I may have some sorrow from the past, but I'm looking forward. I'm thinking forward. I mean, no, I need some new thinking to overcome these new problems, And and a lot of times we get stuck with these problems because we never change our thinking. Well, you need to move your thinking forward. How many know we need to move our speaking forward? We got to talk differently. Like I need my words to be filled with faith. I need my words to be filled with a future and a hope that God wants to provide for me. I need to live forward. And what I mean by living forward is means my actions, like, how many know I can think it and talk it and say it and all, but how many know at some time I've got to live this thing out? The, the, the living it out is where the rubber meets the road. How many know I've got to have some new habits? I've got to have some new disciplines. I, I want to move my life forward. And so we're focusing every area of our life and moving it forward. And really, as I have been studying this out, uh, God really gave me this theme just really in December. I've been working on it all month. Uh, of December, uh, the Bible is full of this moving forward theme. Look in Job chapter 17, verse 9. It says, the righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. The righteous keep moving. Everybody say that word. Everybody say it again. Forward. Forward. We're not going backwards. We're going forwards. Philippians 3.13. This is Paul speaking to the Philippian church. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. I'm going forward. Where? Towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Look, you want to follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus in the past. 
It's moving forward with your life. Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things. And I love it. Jolea said it today in the exhortation. Didn't even know she was going to say it. It says, look, don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus replies, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service, for service in the kingdom. I mean, it's all through the scriptures, this whole moving forward theme. And, and really, we understand moving forward is hard. If it was easy, everybody's life would move forward, but everybody's life's not moving forward. In fact, a lot of people are stuck. A lot of people are held back. A lot of people are bogged down, and they end up settling in places that God intended for them to pass through. Look, I want to show you a story of that in, in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 11, Uh, I want us to turn there. There's a great story that I think we can get a couple of truths from that will help us. It's the story of Abraham's father, Terah. Now, he is traveling with his family to the land of Canaan. Canaan is the place where God has told them to go and to live. However, on his way to Canaan, Terah actually stops in a city called Haran. And rather than passing through Haran to go to Canaan, he settles there. Now look, I want to look at this verse in verse 31. And this is the quick story. It says, Terah took his son Abram, which we later know as Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of the son of Abram. And together they set out from Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Everybody say settled. Settled. Now, why would he settle in a place he was intended to pass through? See, that wasn't God's plan for his life. He was headed to Canaan. Now, what's interesting is the Bible doesn't really tell us why he settled in Haran, but there are some things that we know. And one of the things that we know in this passage, if you read a few verses before, is that the place where he stopped is called Haran. Now, Haran is also the name of his son, who died. Now, how many know if you have a son that dies, you're going to have heartache and grief and pain? And I think that we can conclude that a possible reason that he stayed in Haran was because he was living and reliving the pain of the past. Now, the question we've asked ourselves is how many of you have ever camped out in the place of your pain? See, God intended for you to keep moving, but you just settled. And we see that all the time in our lives, and yet we don't even recognize it. So so think about this. Maybe you're here today, and you're divorced, and your spouse cheated on you, and you vowed after they cheated on you that you were going to stay single the rest of your life. Why? Because they betrayed you, and because they betrayed you, you can't trust men or women, whichever gender it is, and so you have given up ever remarrying. Why? Because you've settled in the place of your pain. Maybe you started a business. It failed. You gave everything you had into this business. You gave your life, your strength, your money, and and you did everything right, and somehow it still failed. And now you sit here today and you think, look, I'm supposed to start a new business, but the problem is you're trapped in the fear of failure. What if I fail? And so you're stuck in the pain of the past. Maybe college, you went to college and you got off to a rough start. How many have ever gotten off to a rough start? You weren't doing so well. 
So you decided to drop all your classes and you thought, hey, listen, I'm just going to stop classes for one semester. It was just supposed to be one semester, but somehow in there you began to tell yourself, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not college material. And you've convinced yourself that that's not the path you're supposed to take. And yet God never told you not to go to college. You settled in the place of your failure. And so I want to challenge us. Look, don't be stuck anymore. Whatever your situation is, whatever pain you have settled in, my challenge is don't be stuck. Let 2020 be the year you refuse to settle in the place of your pain. I heard an old preacher once say, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Come on, somebody say, don't stop. That's good preaching right there. Don't stop. Don't stop. And look, the good news is Abraham didn't stop. He, his story doesn't end there with his dad. Look in verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I'm going to show you. I'll make you into a great nation. So here's what God is now prophesying and speaking over him in his life. Look, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And look at verse 4. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all their possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for Canaan, for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, what I find interesting about this passage is that God called Abraham to the same place that he had called Abraham's father. And I was thinking about this. I think some of you have settled in the place of your parents' pain. So you're carrying their pain and their limitations and their glass ceiling over your life. And God's been trying to get you to break it, but you're living camped out where they left off. And so here's what I believe. I believe 2020 is the year that God is going to call you out. I believe it's the year you're going to break off anything that has tried to limit you from your parents' pain, and you're going to choose to go to the place that God is calling you. See, Abraham, he refused to settle. He focused on what was ahead of him and not what was behind him. Look, if you want to move forward, you got to look forward. And I ask myself, and you've got to ask yourself, where's your focus? Because what you focus on determines the direction of your life. If you're focused forward, then you're going to go forward. If you're focused backwards, your life is going to be stuck in the past. And we have to realize whether the past was good or bad, the past is gone. There's nothing that you can do about it. In the words of the great theologian, Queen Elsa, let it go. Come on, somebody, let it go. Look forward. Don't miss your future. Let it go. Let the past go. Let the pain go. Let the hurts go. Let all the things that have been holding you back, you just got to let it go. Look, in Exodus 16, we see an example of a time when God's people missed their future because they couldn't let go of their past. 
Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because of time's sake. Let me just give you a summary. This is when God frees his people out of Egyptian slavery, and Moses is leading them to the promised land. Now they're in the desert, the wilderness, and they find themselves traveling from, from bondage and slavery to the promise, and they're somewhere in between, and they've run out of food. They're starting to run out of food. And so what do they do? They start to complain, and they start reminiscing about the good old days of Egypt. And what happens ultimately is they end up stuck in the desert having missed God's plan for their life. Look, let me read it. Verse 2 of chapter 16, it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. See, they're seeing their food dissipate and go out. And they're like, listen, Egypt might have been rough, but we had good food to eat. He said, but you have brought us out here into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. What they failed to realize, and I think what we failed to realize, is that the God that delivered them is the same God that will provide for them. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God's not on it. Doesn't mean God's not doing something supernatural, and that's where we get stuck in the past because we're thinking about how good the things in the past were. But think about this. They're reminiscing about how good the food was in Egypt. I'm like, are you an idiot? Hello? Like, think about it. Egypt, you were a slave. You didn't even have freedom. You were beaten. You were mistreated. You were overworked. You didn't have a future, and you're talking about how good the food was. Come on, somebody. Like, hello. I'd rather die free in the desert than a slave in Egypt, somebody. And yet they find themselves complaining. And if you go back and read the story, here's the problem. That whole generation, because of their complaining and their doubt, their unbelief, they all died in the desert when God intended for them to go to the promised land. It was the next generation that was able to possess what God had for each of them. And why? It's because they were focused on the past, not the future. And I know as you read it, sometimes I can read through the Bible, and the truth is I I get a little judgmental. Anybody ever get judgmental? I'm like, you're an idiot. What in the world? Like, I'm reading this as plain as day, and yet I think when people read the history of our lives, they'll probably say the same thing about us. You're an idiot. Like, my grandkids are going to say, what was grandpappy thinking? My God. (laughs) Slap him. You know? I mean, think about, I I just was thinking about a couple of things where we find ourselves in something that's amazing, but we let something from the past disqualify us from what God gives. Someone, God gives you a brand new job. It's a great job. It's great pay. It's close to the house. You're actually doing something that you really like to do. But the boss asks you, hey, will you be on call one weekend out the month? You're like, I don't want to be on call. Like everything else is great, but I don't want to do this. And so you get frustrated and your frustration turns to more frustration. You start thinking, oh, my last job was way better than this job. They didn't ask me to be on call on the weekends. No, no, hold up. Your last job was terrible. There was nothing good about your last job. You're just complaining because you don't want to do something. And here's what happens. You begin thinking about it. And how many know we always reminisce the past things better than they actually really were? 
And so you start complaining. Everything else is pay is right. You've been praying, God, I just need to make the money. Now you're making it. God, I just need to live in this, work in this area. You're working in that area. God, if I could just do something I love. And God pulled your name to the top of the stack. And you're thinking about some little thing in the past from a job that was terrible, from bosses that didn't even like you or treat you well. And now all of a sudden you walk in and you quit. Why? Because you asked me to work on call for the weekends. Silly, but how many times does that happen? Come on, somebody. I mean, think about this church. You know, here you are. You, you, you were saying, God, I just need something. God, I, I, I just, my life is desperate. God brought you to this church, a powerful place. You walk in, you feel the presence of God. How many felt the presence of God? The power of God. Worship is awesome. Message is great. Children's environment's great. Youth services are great. Got a lot of great things are happening. Things are going well. Lives are being changed in your family, in your marriage, in your kids. All of a sudden, pastor starts talking about buying this stupid building. We got to give. We got to give. Oh, just about money. Just about money. Right? And it's like, my other church, the pastor never said nothing about money. Honey, you ain't been to church before you got to this church. That's the church when you was a kid in Sunday school. Right? But that's the same person that will rejoice when we have a brand new building. Right? They come on back. Right? And then what happens is you quit this church. The place that God brought you because he has a plan for your kids and for your marriage and for your life. And you have disqualified the future that God had for you all because you're dwelling on something from the past that ain't even real. You think about it. And I thought about marriage too. Come on, somebody. You fall in love. You're honey bunny, soulmate, best friends. Honeymoon's over. What? Got to go to work. Like marriage is work. Come on, somebody. Marriage is work. You got to pull your, pull your britches up. I mean, it's a lot of work. So now, now you got kids and a career, and you're frustrated because we ain't connecting and, and all these different things. And then you think, oh, my life was better when I was single. <laughs> no, well, baby, you was just as miserable when you were single as you are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you'd stop spending so much time complaining and spend that time working on your marriage, your marriage might actually get a little bit better, right? I mean... But the challenge is we let that thought of I was better when I was single, and then when you get divorced, you realize, no, I was just, just as much a mess. There just wasn't nobody there to reflect that mess back on me, because that's what spouses do, right? Your spouse didn't create your mess. They just, God uses your spouse to illuminate what's inside of me already messed up. And it's painful. Sometimes it's better to be single, right? You're like, at least I can, I can mope around the house, you know, or something, <laughs> But you're going to let that pain from the past disqualify you from the future that God has for your life. So we got to keep moving forward. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. God wants your life moving forward. And look, forward doesn't always mean something new or different. I think sometimes we get distracted with looking for the new and God just wants us to be faithful with the now. So moving forward is just faithfulness. God, I'm going to continue to be faithful. I'm going to continue to do what you've asked me to do with boldness and with confidence. I love what Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love it, the fact that God's not done with me. I love the fact that God's not done with you. And I'm so glad he is still working on me, that I'm a work in progress. 
that I don't have to be perfect for God to keep moving in my life, to keep pushing my life forward. So just keep doing what you're already doing. Listen, keep coming to church. I mean, no, a, a good New Year's resolution ought to be go to church 52 weeks in 2020. Just every week. Go take a, you, every week we go to church, you know? Keep inviting your friends and family to church. You want to see your workplace change, your neighborhood change, your family change. Invite them to the place that has changed your life. Keep tithing. Moving forward is like, God, I, I commit to tithe. And listen, you started tithing this last month. Pastor did a series, and you got a fresh rev, and God dropped it in your heart. Don't be surprised if the enemy starts attacking your life. Don't say God's not real. No, the devil is real, and he doesn't want you to live a life that's moving forward. So I'm not going to stop. Devil, you can do whatever. You can say whatever. But I'm going to continue to put you first, God, in my life and giving. Continue going to or leading a small group. Small groups are going to launch January 26th. Come on, somebody. It's amazing. I love it. So you've got to make a commitment. I'm going to go to a small group. I want to encourage you. Listen, we need you to help us lead small groups too. Those of you that are sitting here, you think, man, I can do it. I can host it. I need you to jump in this year and lead small groups. We had 96 small groups last semester, and I'm believing God's going to do the same this. The church is growing. God is touching people's lives. So say, hey, God, my moving forward is I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm actually going to lead a small group. There's a table out in the foyer. Sign up today. Don't wait. Continue serving on the dream team. Thank you, Dream Teamers, every person that serves. How many know sometimes it gets weary in well-doing? God said, don't be weary. And so you just got to say, God, this 2020, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Why? Because it gives me purpose. It gives me a peace to be a part of the vision that God has in this house. I'm going to keep moving my life forward. And, and I know, I, even in preparing this message, I can hear someone say, well, pastor, that's all good. That's all great, but I'm tired. Anybody felt that or thought that? You're walking into 2020, not with fresh vision, but just trying to make it. You're like, I'm just exhausted, God. If we're just honest, I'm overwhelmed. And I want you to know this. You're here this morning. I get it. Uh, you're not the only one that's ever felt that way. I have felt that way. And I can guarantee there are people in this place that have felt that way or feel that way right now. Can I get an amen? amen. It's a natural part of life. I think what determines the champions from those that are not, the ones that fulfill God's purpose from those that don't, are the ones that make choices in these volatile moments where we're exhausted and we're tired. Like, because how many know choices are what drive our life, not feelings? So I got to make some choices. I got to say, okay, God, I choose to do it, and the feelings will follow. And, and I was pondering, really, I, I just had this conversation, even walking into 2020. Hey, listen, I just got to be honest. Look, the next three months... Like, we've we got a lot of work to do to get this building. Come on, somebody. And then God's got a lot of work to do. But we have our part. And so I, I was going into this year, just taking some time this last week, even thinking, God, you know, I don't know. How do I not be tired? And how do, how do I push forward with fresh vision? And he brought me to Isaiah 41.30. Look at what this passage of Scripture says. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Everybody say new strength. How many like to have some new strength for 2020? Just new strength. God, new strength. Like what I had yesterday is not enough to get me through today and tomorrow. It says, look, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. 
So I was reading this passage and I thought, man, that's great. The passage is good. Uh, that's awesome. God, I feel like I trust you, but I still feel tired. <laughs> if I ever, can we just be honest with God? I think God likes that. And I just, you know, I, I still feel exhausted. God, and I, I don't understand. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me. You know, he's never spoke to me audibly. It's really the Holy Spirit just in my heart. We kind of have this back and forth conversation. You ever argue with God or have a conversation with God? And so I just, I just said, God, I feel like I trust you. I, I don't understand because I don't feel that I have new strength. Like, I feel like I got enough to make it, but I don't feel new strength. And I felt like the Lord said, well, do you really trust me? I said, well, I think I do. I say I do. Come on, how many say you trust the Lord? And, and then we just go back and forth. And, and then this is my thought was, well, what is trust? Because, I mean, I think my confidence is in you. And, and I felt like the Lord said, trust is putting the full weight of your life in my hands. So, God, okay, God, you're saying to put the full weight of my life in your hands. Like, like how do you do that? Like, how many have ever just felt like the Lord speaks? You're like, like a pouty kid. How do you do that? Like, I thought I was doing it. I pray and I worship and I do all these things. And I put my life in your hands. I'm praying. About it. And I felt, felt like the Lord said, look, let me give you an illustration. So I'm, I'm going to share it with you. Just, so it would be like my body. My body, the weight of my body is in my legs. That's carrying, would you guys agree or disagree? It's carrying the weight of my body is my legs. But if I sit down, hey, Robert, bring me that chair. So if I sit down, I'm not carrying the weight of my body anymore, right? Yes or no? It's not a trick question. <laughs> I mean, I'm not carrying the weight of my body. So when I'm standing up, I carry the weight of my body in my legs. But think about this, when I sit down, the chair holds the weight of my body. And guess what? My legs are resting. And check this out. If my legs are resting, my legs are gaining new strength. Have you ever been tired? You say, I just got to sit down. I just got to sit down. Anybody been working out? Come on, on that treadmill. You're like, hold up. Just, just hold me up, baby. Just sit down. Just... And you sit down. What, what are you doing? Well, the blood is flowing back to your legs. You're gaining new strength. So then when I stand up, I'm not tired like I was before. I might still be a little, but I got new strength. And as longer I sit... Think about this, the more strength that comes to my legs. So I thought, okay, God, that's great. How do I apply that to my life? So I thought about this. I always just kind of go through the spectrum of my life, marriage, kids, finances. Come on, somebody. Those are just kind of the, the big rocks of your life. And so I was thinking, well, God, how do I put the weight of my life in your hands? In just every area. How do I put the weight of my marriage in your hands. See, I feel overwhelmed. Or this is how some of you walked in. I feel tired. Yeah, I just, I feel your pain. I feel overwhelmed. My marriage is hanging on by a thread. Come on, anybody in here? You, you. So, and you, this is what I saw a picture of. You're tired because the weight of your marriage is on you. You're trying to fix your spouse. You're trying to get them to go to church. You're trying to get them to make the right decision. I, I need you to spend time with your kids. I need you to do this. And you keep trying to fix them and build character in the life of your spouse. And God said, look, I didn't give you the strength to fix your spouse. I only gave you enough strength to fix yourself. So you're carrying all this weight, you're tired, and God said, this is how you rest, this is how you put the weight of your marriage in my hands. God, I'm just going to work on me. He's a little crazy, 
but I married him. And I loved it when we were single, but I hate it now that we're married. Come on, somebody, right? You, things you loved, they were so creative whenever you were single. A day now they're creative that drives you nuts. Anyway, just tie. So instead of trying to fix them, God, I just, they do something wrong. I, no, God, that you better get your boy before I kill him. <laughs> right? That God, you better fix him because I'm resting in me. I got enough strength for me to manage my marriage by working on me. That's how you rest. That's how you put the full weight of your marriage in the hands of God. I thought the same thing with the kids. How many got kids? I got four. Whew. Good Lord. We had a couple of them go off. It's so funny. We'd only have three. and one moment we had two, I felt like we didn't have any kids. And when you only have one kid, you're like, good Lord, what are you doing? What kid? Try four. You know, and so you got your kids and you're trying to build character and you see character flaws in them and you keep harping on them and saying, but that's not character. You need character. How many know what I'm saying? Like it's one thing to discipline. I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about trying to fix the flaws that you see that they don't see. And every time you point it out, they feel like you're critical. You're critical. You're critical. In fact, my counselor said, which is a hard pill to swallow. He said, when you're critical, it's actually abuse. I thought, wow, well, that's tough for a parent to swallow because I don't mean to be critical. So if you think through that filter, we're just abusing our kids, and we're exhausted because the product we're producing is chaos. They're running from God. It's everything that we didn't want, and you're just tired because you're carrying that. What if we, what if we put the weight of our kids in the hands of God? Well, then... All I got to do, just be a good parent. Here's the line. Here's the discipline. Look, got no emotion in it, right or wrong. You mess up. This is the consequence. I'm going to provide for you. I'm not going to cater to you. You got to grow up. So then the weight of my life, God, you got to fix them. Thought about finances. I mean, think about it. Got a lot of business entrepreneurs in here, people that, you know, just anybody. You're pursuing money and things and the American dream is what the world tells us. But the American dream is not God's dream. And I'm not saying God won't bless you, but you're pursuing those things and many of you outside of the way God intended. God says, look, so, so the full weight of your life, your house, your car, your level of living, it's all about what you can produce. And God says, look, you want the weight of your finances in my hands, you need to tithe. And as I tithe, right, because think about it. I'm trying to work all this overtime. not saying overtime's bad, but I'm pursuing, doing, doing. And, and you're chasing something you can never have because you're not really chasing money. We need to pursue the blessing. The blessing brings wealth. The blessing brings business. The blessing brings prosperity. So you're chasing the wrong thing, and you're exhausted. You're going into 2020 exhausted. And God's saying, listen, if you would just tithe, that's the... That's the only way in Scripture that he says, that's where I take your life and bless. Why? Because you have trusted me. You put the weight of your finances, the weight of your life in my hands. And then it's like, okay, God, now I need you to do what you said. And it's the only place in the Bible he says, test me, try me, prove me, and see if I'll not throw open the windows. No other place does he say, test me, try me, prove me. And so that's how you put the weight of your finances in the hands of God. And so you could go on and on, and here's what I would ask this morning in your life where you're feeling overwhelmed, where you're feeling exhausted, are you carrying the weight or have you put it in God's hands? See, trusting God is to put the full weight of my life 
in his hands. And really, that's what 2020 is all about. We're going to move forward. Everybody say move forward. We're going to put the weight of our life in the hands of God. And then I, I love the scripture. Go back to that scripture. Look, I, I was even looking at this. Because it says they will soar high on wings like eagles. And I thought like that. You know, when you study out eagles, the power of an eagle is they use the wind. The reason they soar is not in the ability of their flapping. Now, they do flap to fly, but the soaring comes because of the lift of the wind. Here's what happens is I've learned to put the weight of my life in the hands of God. His wind lifts my life, every area of my life. And then you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to manipulate for it to happen. You don't have to force it to happen. Why? Because the wind of God is blowing in your life and you just begin to soar. Listen, I'm not worried about recession. I'm not worried about what's going on. Of course, my eye is attentive and being attentive to what's taking place, but my God is recession proof. My God is war proof. My God will sustain us regardless of what's happening in society. But it only comes when we put our trust in him. 